Welcome to Panther Paris, the podcast where we're supposed to talk Panthers hockey, but sometimes we don't. Here are your hosts, Alex Lopez, Jake Langsam, and TJ Peterson. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Panther Paris. I'm your host, Jacob Langsam. Here with me today is my co-host, TJ Peterson. And joining us today, uh, friend of the show at this point, second, uh, second appearance on the pod, hockey consultant, former a, uh, NHL coach and scout, Jack Han. Jack, thank you so much for coming on again. Uh, well, uh, great to be on. So, uh, I've been watching a lot of Florida, a team I'm really excited about. They do a lot of interesting things, so it's always fun to talk about uh about good hockey with uh with fellow fellow hockey nerds <laughs> absolutely so you are very much a tactics guy so uh you are you're here to help us understand today uh, how the panthers are going to sweep the washington capitals in the first <laughs> round of the playoffs and obviously any any successful defeat over a long period of time uh, over the washington capitals has to start with shutting down alex ovechkin right i mean He's, he's the guy, one of the greatest goal scorers in NHL history, uh, especially effective on the power play. Uh, he's got his spot, and he's considered to be kind of unstoppable from that spot, but the Caps have lost three straight playoff series uh, and obviously have only won the Cup once. So teams have figured out how to neutralize that threat. Uh, what did the Florida Panthers need to do uh, in order to make that four straight playoff series losses for Washington? So I think going into the series, um, the number one thing as the Panthers is play your game. Okay. Like the Panthers are basically, if you look at just the, the analytics era, they're a historically great offensive team at five on five. They have a great power play. Uh, you know, their, their defense and goaltending are just so, so, but they're so overwhelming offensively that it, it tilts the balance of power in their favor if they play their game. So, so I think the first thing you gotta you gotta realize is you know you have a really good team here you got really good players uh you gotta trust yourself because if all of a sudden you're trying to play kind of shut down hockey and play for one zero uh that takes away from a lot of your own strength so so, so that's the first first and, and very essential thing the second thing is whether you look at hockey or soccer or, or you know lacrosse i don't know uh basketball there are two ways to shut down uh, an elite scorer like Ovechkin. First of all, you can try to cover him, you know, man on man or, or, you know, defend him when he has the puck, or you can choke off his uh, supply lines. So in hockey, the supply lines is the passes that he's getting. Right. And if, if you ask any uh, Washington capital fan that's been paying attention for the past, two to three years, they'll tell you that their team is extremely slow. Okay. So Nick Backstrom is not getting any younger or faster. Uh, they traded uh, Verona for, uh, for Mantha, who's also kind of a slower, heavier player. Um, you know, Kuznetsov can really fly, but I think at this point, he's really by far the exception than the rule. You know, you got TJ Oshi that still ha has some game left, but he's not the fastest guy either. So the whole thing about, you know, Florida potentially sweeping Washington is uh, they got to outskate them and they got to use their speed to be first on the puck or to force turnovers. And this is something that I think Florida does fairly well. Um, they're one of the best teams in the league at retrieving loose pucks, especially in the offensive zone. So if they just kind of swarm Washington in Washington's zone, I, I can only see things working out well for, for Florida if they do that. And the Panthers are also one of the best teams on the rush in general. So yeah, forechecking being those puck hounds in the offensive zone, absolutely a strength of theirs. But even, uh, I mean, if Washington is so slow and that's kind of their identity right now, a slower, heavier team, those rush chances for Florida might easily turn into some really high opportunity scoring chances. Because uh, I mean, if, if Washington can't keep up with the Panthers as they're just flying down the ice because speed is obviously one of the primary things in Florida's game, as you're mentioning, that that pace of play. I mean, you got guys Duclair, Verhage, uh, I mean, Huberdo. Barkov's not the fastest skater, but he's very strong on Even the Even Forsling on the back uh, ends. Yeah, I mean, the, the defensemen too. who love jumping up in the rush, Forsling and Montour. Is this kind of an ideal matchup for the Panthers then, given their strengths and Washington's weaknesses? Uh, I, 
I would say so. I would say it's a pretty good matchup for Florida. And just before we we get off uh, the Ovechkin topic, the other thing is, you know, on the power play, historically, he's been very good. But in more recent years, if you look at Washington's power play in general, they've actually had a pretty mediocre power play. And that's because uh, Ovechkin is soaking up all of these shot attempts. So, you know, I, I was never a basketball fan, you know, growing <laughs> up, but, but I, I actually went to school a couple of years in New Jersey and a lot of my friends were, uh, were Philly fans. And, and it was like peak Iverson where he was taking every single shot. He was just soaking up all the shot attempts and that's Ovechkin on the power play. And uh, certainly from his spot, he, he's tough to stop once he gets the one timer in his wheelhouse, but there's actually a, a really simple way to completely shut down a on the power play, which is you want the puck in his hands uh, on the entry. And the reason why is because when a has the puck on his entry, generally he's going to be on his left side on his backhand. His only play is he's going to rim it hard to the right half wall toward Kuznetsov or Backstrom or whoever else. And so you, you know, you, you kind of influence the puck into Ovechkin's hand early, and then he's going to rim it. And then you just jump on whoever gets the puck on the other side. And I, I know this to work because, um, when I was coaching in the, in the AHL, um, uh, we were up against the team with a really good one-time threat, kind of like Ovechkin. Uh, but that player uh, had a very similar kind of approach on his breakouts, which is he doesn't really like to carry the puck. He wants to rim it to the other side so that he can get a one-timer uh, on a follow-up pass. So I just, I, I just told our players, let this guy have the puck on the breakout. He's going to rim it and then just pound the crap out of whoever gets the puck on the other side. So that particular game, the other team had six power play opportunities. They went 0 for 6. So I know wow. this to work. That's so interesting. Like yeah. you, it's, it sounds obvious when you really, de- when you really dive into it, but thinking about it at kind of a high level, like make sure Ovechkin has the puck seems so counterintuitive, but when so, you yeah, really the, look into the, the situation, more he has the puck outside it. of the zone on the power <laughs> right. play, the less he'll have it inside the zone. Right. That's interesting. I've never yeah, really I mean, thought about the power play. That even way. if he has it on his stick inside the zone, that means he can't one time it. Yes. So, you know, you're immediately removing the threat of the goalie having to move over and not being able to in time to catch up to Ovi's rocket, you know, yeah. that's, but, that's but taken it's, away. It's that one I would say is a little bit trickier because if the puck is on, on his way to him, like he's one of the best ever at one timing it from difficult positions or, you know, very few players have the power and the accuracy to score on what we call a station to station one timer, which is the top of the umbrella down toward that Ovi spot because mm-hmm. it takes more power to score from there. And maybe I would say Ovi and Stamkos and maybe Matthews could score on that, but not many other players can. Whereas the more kind of the higher percentage one timer is the, that seam pass from one yeah. flank to the other, but, but Ovi can score from there. So let's say like John Carlson has the puck up top, generally speaking, if he passes it to Ovi, it's a much harder shot to score from because it's coming from farther away. The goalie has less distance to cover, but Ovi can still find a hole. So I, I would say the main focus is making sure that they don't set up properly. And then after, you, you don't have to worry about anything that comes after that. Yeah. So I think another very interesting thing to look at with this matchup is the matchup of the depth of each team. Uh, it looks, uh, Stephen Weiner just recently this morning tweeted out their practice lines, uh, the Washington Capitals practice lines. And it looks like, uh, granted, I haven't watched a lot of Washington, so I don't know what their lines typically look like, but it seems like they're trying to match the Panthers in terms of spreading out talent. You've got Ovi on the top line, Backstrom and Wilson on the second line, Oshie on the third line. I don't know if that's how they normally set up these days, but that almost seems like a response to you know, the Panthers having Barkov up top, Huberdeau on line two, Sam Reinhardt on line three. How do you see that matching up depth-wise? Uh, the Panthers have very good depth lines throughout the regular season, uh, but this spreading out for Washington might actually help them a little bit if uh, if I'm thinking about it the right way. So, I mean, I, mean, I would say in terms of offensive depth, uh, Florida's got Washington beat, especially on the speed side of things, pretty much uh, all the mm-hmm. way through like whether it's first, second, third line. The one wild card is Washington has a really good checking line. It's, uh, I think, Nick Dowd, uh, Garnet Hathaway, and it might be Johan Larson at this point, but but they got like three or four 
kind of shutdown specialist further down the lineup. And maybe in a playoff series, they're looking to match this against one of Florida's lines. So it could be, you know, Barkov's line, or it could be the Huberto line. Um, hmm. So, so that's a bit of a wild card, but I'm not really, I'm not really worried about depth. If, if I'm Florida, um, right. <laughs> I'm just looking to maybe uh, avoid that pure checking line with, uh, I would say, especially the Huberto line. Cause, cause he usually gets maybe a little bit more sheltered usage. Yeah. So, you know, I, you can kind of take for granted that Barkov can play against anyone. Um, so then the, the matchup is really getting Huberto away from Nick Dowd and, you know, Johan Larson or, uh, the, those kind of guys. Yeah. I was just thinking about like, I, if they want to try and match up Nick Dowd to Sasha Barkov, Go for it. See how that works for you. Yeah, yeah. I, <laughs> I if if you if you look line to line with Verhage Barkov Duclair against Larson Dowd Hathaway, I mean, come on. <laughs> you you got the speed on the wings to kill them in in that sense. And Barkov's not the fastest skater, but I mean, he can definitely distribute to those guys and still probably like fight them off as well. Even though you know, I respect Johan Larson, I respect Nick Dowd as defensive players, but you know, defending a perhaps top 10 player in the league is always going to be a difficult task. Like in terms of coaching matchups, if I were Florida, I would think more about Washington's decor. And the reason why is because their top, I would say two-way pair at five on five is Dmitry Olav and Nick Jensen. So two really good players. Uh, offensively, they're pretty good. They're, they're really good at getting the puck out of the zone into the forward's hands. They're also really good at defending the rush and kind of forcing speed to the outside. I would most likely expect to see them more against the Barkov line or against the top six in general. Like, like they're really well trusted by uh, Washington's coaching staff. So the guy actually that I'm trying to exploit is John Carlson because, yeah. you know, Florida is a very fast team. John Carlson is not a very good skater, especially going backwards. Mm-hmm. And then his defensive partner, Martin Faravari is somebody that has established himself in this league this year, but Panthers fans probably have only watched him three times. Uh, I don't know if you've watched him very much, but if you have, like, what can you tell us about his strengths and weaknesses? Um, I, I use like, like I've seen a few games of him uh, back when he was a draft eligible. Um, I've seen kind of games, clips of him here and here and there, like at the NHL level. Um, good skater. Uh, good reach, uh, not the heaviest or the most robust player. Like you can really go after him, I think. And, and the, the Ferrari Carlson pair, like the dynamic is Carlson wants the puck. So Ferrari is going to kind of go back and get it for him. And also Ferrari might be, uh, might do a bit, bit more of the heavy lifting, defending the rush. Whereas Carlson, he, he might, you know, try to force more turnovers in zone. Cause, cause he's a, he's a kind of a stronger player. So, uh, attack Ferravari physically, attack Carlson with speed. That, that's how I would kind of map it out. Yeah, and it's, that's skating as the first pairing in practice, at least for the Capitals. When you have the matchups in your favor on home ice, which the Panthers will have four times, you could probably try to get your top six out there as much against that top pairing, which would seem counterintuitive most of the time. Like, oh, you want to try to get your best players against the worst defenders possible. But in this case, that's the top pairing perhaps i mean no, nothing against them as players but defensively orlov and jensen are better defenders you know carlson's much better going the other way obviously but he can be skated around when you've got a duclair or you've got a verhage or even like a sam bennett you know carlson's kind of a bigger guy but bennett can combine that physicality where he's not going to get pushed off the puck and he's got good enough skating that he can get around Carlson, maybe put a couple of moves on him. We've seen him do that a few times here and there on the rush. That's the pairing you want to attack, especially if uh, Washington's putting them out for an offensive zone faceoff. Maybe you throw Giroux out there because you think about winning that faceoff so you can get out on the rush and almost think of a defensive zone faceoff as your opportunity to score, you know, even, Maybe not more so, but like almost as much as an offensive zone faceoff. Yeah, um, certainly, certainly, I think that's uh, that's a fair fair thing to say. The only thing is, if you lose that faceoff and Carlson winds up in the point, then yeah, that's true. You know, it, it, it's not ideal. So, but 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 if 
as long as you don't lose that face off cleanly, I think there's a lot of possibilities to, to burn them with speed. The other thing I look at their third pair of Van Riemsdijk is a righty playing as offside. And then Schultz is also a very spotty defender. So if you can get basically any nine up against that, that pair, uh, there are some, there are some hay to be made there. Yeah. I mean, we're talking about one pairing that we think like will fare. Okay. Against a a potent attack, you know, the Panthers have scored on everybody. So it's fair to say like unless whichever goalie they plan on starting, which I actually am not sure of, I'm not sure which they've lent on between um, what are their names? I I'm blanking. It's uh, Samsonov Samsonov and Vanacek. Vanacek. Yeah. Unless one of them stands on their head, like the way that the Panthers have scored this year, I I have a feeling that they're going to get their chances against pretty much anybody, but like, we're talking about two pairings down on the capitals. We think that they can exploit like they're, they're going to have a, a long matchup. If the Panthers get their way with those matchups or long series with those matchups, I don't think it'd be that long. <laughs> it's going to feel like an eternity. So um, I think it, I think it's fair to expect the Panthers to win. I think they're, th- th- this is definitely, I think the most lopsided series, um, the lot, the most lopsided first round series, at least. Um, the two things that the Panthers need to do to avoid shooting themselves in the foot, because obviously they have no control on what their goalie or the other team's goalie is going to do. You know, the goalies are kind of just self-contained entities, right. which, which I'll, I'll address here, but, but I'll, I'll kind of move on to something else. But the two other things is uh, managing the puck in the offensive zone. Um, so the Panthers, I would say they, they play a pretty simple, ozone in the sense that they like to get three players high and then attack downhill and and i actually quite like this in the playoffs because you're not overhandling the puck you're shooting and retrieving and this is these are two things that the panthers are very good at doing um so you're a little bit less vulnerable to high turnovers because you're working your way up with the puck but then you're immediately attacking downhill and trying to beat the other team to second chances so so that's fine um, the other thing is, uh, despite Washington's relative lack of speed, they do like to activate their defensemen off the rush. So there's this concept in, in coaching that we call cutoffs. So you're basically, it's almost like you're getting into somebody's way uh, off the rush where imagine driving on the interstate and then somebody cuts you off. Like that's exactly what we're looking for. Refs will not call that as interference, even though it is. So the idea <laughs> yeah. is... it's very subtle but the idea is if you just you know beat this guy kind of halfway and you cut into him you force him to slow down and then you nullify his ability to beat you up ice so if we're talking about Carlson or Orlov or Jensen or Schultz we got to be aware of that and we got to cut them off early so that they can't be f4 off the rush and then kind of uh, walk down main street and and perhaps score on you yeah, I guess the hope would be that you defend those guys with speed. So even if you're you're jumping up into the rush, like a Forsling, like a Montour, even Ekblad or Weaker, who don't have nearly as much speed, but they like to, uh, when you have the better skaters, you can hopefully just bet on them to win the race back because you, you have the skating advantage. But uh, that might be something they look at with the Ekblad Weaker skating weakness. I mean, it's certainly something that Tampa looked at last year and it helped them win the series but uh i wanted to get into kind of more in the abstract we we've been thinking about i mean because it's been relentlessly kind of thrown at us from you know fans across the league and you know neutral pundits even uh the concept is that offensive teams will struggle in the playoffs and defensive teams tend to thrive because playoff style hockey is a different game in the abstract, with the way the Panthers play, what do you think they can do to adapt to playoff style hockey? Or do you think that they might have to change what a lot of what they do in order to succeed? So the, basically in the playoffs, like if, if you watch the Leafs Habs series last, last year, um, what really sunk the Leafs was at critical moments, they made these turnovers that turned into chances and goals for the Habs. Like they were forcing plays into the middle of the ice. Now, from the Panthers' point of view, like what I would say is they're so good that they don't need to be forcing plays. If they don't have anything, they can just turn back or hold on to the puck or just, you know, eat it and take a hit and then wait for 
wait for help. They don't need to be forcing things because they can beat teams straight up without taking chances. Like the better that you are, the more you can create plays without taking undue chances. That's the first thing. The second thing is if, if you look at, you know, actual like objective statistical analysis of teams that win the cup, they tend to be good offensive teams in terms of being able to create chances and create goals. And the simple reason is this in the regular season, you can, you can rack up a lot of standing points by playing for a tie, getting into overtime and maybe getting to shootouts in the reg, uh, sorry, in the playoffs, you got to win the game. You got to score one more goal at least than the other team. So the whole premise of like, you have to be a defensive team in the playoffs to win is, is bullshit because you have to outscore the other team in the regular season. You don't have to, you can just play for a tie and then hope that something weird happens in three on three or in the shootout. That's actually been one of my favorite critiques of the Panthers uh, and their, their chances in the playoffs is people who say, yeah, but can they, can they grind out these close games? And, and I'm just sitting here thinking like they, they don't need to, their, their yeah. identity is, is just peppering the goalie scoring a bunch. I mean, the team that wins, like you're, like you're saying is the team that scores more goals than so their the, opponent. But what I would say is for the Panthers staff success, they got to remain patient and not get, uh, and not get rattled if they're not scoring a bunch of goals. Right. You know, let's say that they're playing well and they're, you know, they've, they're out shooting the other team 40 to 20 and it's zero, zero, or it's one, one, whatever. Um, there is no need for them to overreach because sooner or later the floodgates going to open unless they, they commit suicide before that, you know, by throwing the puck away or by, or by giving the other team better opportunities off of their mistakes. Like how did the Panthers lose last year against Tampa? Well, it's because they forced plays at the wrong moments and also because Tampa's power play shot out the lights. Right. So is it like, I mean, there, there are no other reasons and Vasilevsky played really, really well, but you know, the Panthers still went six games and there's probably a world where if they stay patient and maybe they got some saves at critical moments and maybe they were a little bit more methodical than they could have won in six or in seven. Remember that game one could have went either way. Uh-huh. And then that devastating Sam Bennett penalty that we don't have to talk about, even though I think about it every day of my life. <laughs> I mean, if you kill the penalty, it's not so devastating. But, uh, you know, that's neither here nor there. So I think it's poignant to point out that a lot of these like favored teams that end up blowing series or even like not favored teams like the Panthers were last year, but they had the better of the play. It's often the turnovers and the mistakes like that that kill you. And I mean, that, that's being a little vague, but basically what I'm talking about is those odd man rushes going the other way. And I, I think that forcing offense is one way that they happen, but are, are there any others that you could typically, are any other reasons that teams give up odd man rushes in the playoffs specifically? I mean, it's, it could be a combination of physical and mental fatigue. Um, you know, sometimes you just can't get there for whatever reason, maybe there's a bounce or something and, and, and that's going to happen. Right. So then the objective is to control the game, to control the tempo so that the other team is getting more fatigued more quickly than you are. And, and again, I think Tampa plays that sort of game where even if they're not killing you off the rush, they're still able to hem, hem you in your zone and force you to defend and force you to look over your shoulders constantly. And, 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 and that tires you out. Like it's a very tiring way and to play, especially if you're, if you don't have the puck a lot, like it, it's not a lot of fun and, you know, Washington's players, they like to have the puck. Uh, so when they don't, then you're going to see them maybe kind of, you know, turn off a little bit. You actually just made me want to look into something a little bit. Cause I, I have my own theories about the Panthers and their ability to fatigue the other team. And I think that's been the source of a lot of their comebacks, uh, their famous comeback wins this season. So I kind of want to now uh, look into separately from this, obviously <laughs> uh, their, their shot attempts, uh, their shot attempt share by period over the course of the season. Cause you'd think that a team as good and as high scoring as this Panthers team is typically what you'd see is score effects would cause that to get smaller as the game goes on and they hold a lead. 
but I think with this Panthers team, you might find that that is not the case. And I kind of want to look into that now. So, so um, the one thing that, 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 that um, you will see hopefully in this playoffs is uh, there's more and more emphasis on kind of half-ice offense in terms of like sustaining cycles in the ozone, which again, the Panthers are very good at. But what you'll find is a lot of times they'll kind of shoot and retrieve and pressure the other team for maybe a minute, minute and a half in their zone. But what really kills the other team is they finally get the puck out. All their players go to the bench for changes. Maybe even Florida gets the change in. And then on the re-entry, they get to net right away and they score. So the, <laughs> the Panthers might be the best out of any team I've seen at doing that. Yeah, and I mean, one other thing that I was thinking about the whole time Jake was saying that is something you brought up like the first time we talked almost right away. The Panthers come at you in waves, and it's that depth on offense especially that's a killer. I mean, on the blue line, they like to really lean on Uyghur and Ekblad, but offensively, they can spread out the minutes to their first line, their second line, their third line, because, I mean, their third line has a point-per-game player on it. Sam Reinhardt is a point-per-game this year. And... Mason Marchman is damn close to a point per game this year. Now, I don't know if he's going to be able to play in game one, but I mean, when, when your third line is just killing teams, when they've got, I don't know what it is, like a 25 to seven goal differential on the year, like you can put them out there when you are in a tied game or you're maybe you're down by one with a little bit of time left, not like two or three minutes, but like 15 or 16 minutes left. You don't need to start shortening the bench then because you know your top three lines are all capable of scoring even that fourth line is really controlling play very well against other fourth lines this year hornquist lomberg and lusterine have uh, really enjoyed uh when they're matched up against other teams fourth lines they've got like a 62 percent expected goal share so that's something that really wears other teams out because they don't need to play bark up 30 minutes like they used to but yeah so i i really like Florida's chances. Uh, I think there's a few pitfalls that they can avoid that we've already discussed, but there's also a lot of exploitable elements uh, with the Capitals that, that they can really jump on and, and, you know, really hurt them with. All right. Well, Jack, thank you so much for taking some time to talk to us about this matchup. We're really looking forward to watching it on Tuesday and beyond then. Why don't you tell all of our audience where they can see more of your insights? So the best way to kind of uh, keep up with what I'm doing is on Twitter. Uh, my Twitter handle is J-H-A-N-H-K-Y. Um, if you really like the free stuff that I put out, there's also ways to support me by buying one of my eBooks. Uh, my most recent one is called Hockey Tactics 2022. And basically I've diagrammed out the systems of all 32 NHL teams. So if you're watching the playoffs and you're seeing two teams that you're less familiar with, you can get my eBook and follow along and, uh, it'll give you a lot of insights on into what's happening on the ice. One of my favorite follows on Twitter, one of my favorite sub stacks, although there's not that many. So, I mean, by default, <laughs> you let, let's say that you get me to read sub stacks. How about that? You, you'll take yeah, it. I can tell. It. I'll <laughs> take it, yeah. Jack Han, thank you so much for taking your time to join us. All right. Well, take care guys. Enjoy the hockey. Hopefully there's going to be a lot of it. Thank you again to Jack Han. Uh, always a pleasure to talk to him, even though, well, I didn't get to the first time. But one for one, always a pleasure <laughs> for me. And I'm sure two for two for TJ and one for one for Alex too. Yeah, looking forward to a really fun series against Washington here uh, for the Panthers anyway. What do you think, TJ? Like, I, 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 I know I joked, but I genuinely think that there's a chance that the Panthers could sweep Washington. Like a pretty decent chance. Yeah, I mean... I feel like it's going to be either a sweep or Washington in seven. And like the outcomes in the middle seem far less likely to me for whatever reason, like either <laughs> the ghost of um, what's his name. Yaroslav Halak comes back and haunts yet another president's trophy winning team or uh, oh wait, no Yaros because Yaroslav Halak, he goalied the capitals, not the, uh, not the other way around the capital. I can't believe that's the angle you're taking it. Wait, never mind. I'm mixing up Halak and Grice for yeah, they're, some they're, reason. They're were they ever both on the Islanders? They were. They were right? both on the Islanders, yeah, that one year. Okay, so I'm not crazy.
but yeah, basically like either they're going to get goalied and lose in seven or like it's going to be a quick exit. And I still feel the things that for I Washington. felt. Let's just yeah. put that out there. Quick yeah. exit for Washington. Quick exit for Washington. A quick and exit I, for the Panthers would be devastating. to the I, I, I still feel like you're getting those narratives out of Pittsburgh. It's like, oh, you know, Malkin's getting there up there in years. Crosby's getting up there in years. Like they got to attack the cup now because the, their window is closing. And in Washington, everybody's like, oh, Ovi's like 100 away from the goal record. Wow. Like this is amazing. He's the best goal scorer ever. Like nobody's talking about winning another cup for those guys. Like I don't, I don't even think they really believe they can win it. Now they have matched up decently against the Panthers in the regular season, and that can only go so far. But that doesn't, you know, lead me to believe that this is going to be like a formality that the, the Panthers are simply going to win by showing up. But there's definitely a plausible avenue for me that like it's over in four. I guess that I'll hedge, even though I said it isn't particularly likely that this is going to happen and say Panthers in five is my prediction. Yeah, I did literally tweet that earlier that I, I said, if Ovi's in, then it's Cats in five instead of Cats in four. But even then, like, yeah, it's either Panthers in four or five or Caps in seven. But even even if somehow the Panthers get goalied, we've seen the Panthers get goalied this season and still win the game. Yeah, and also... And Samsonov has not had a particularly strong season. Yeah, I mean, v- Vitek Vanacek, I would imagine he's going to be the starter, but, like, without actually really? knowing. Without knowing. Like, I have no clue. But he, I think he was preferred to Samsonov this season in general. And let's take a look at their. Ne- neither one of those guys is scary. Like, right. are you like, oh, we might get goalied by Vanacek because he's so good or Samsonov because he's. Wow. So good. Yeah. No, Samsonov and Vanacek pretty much split the season 50 50. They both start 39 games. Did either of them have like a, a pretty good season? No. Vanacek had a 908, which I guess 908 is actually about league average this season. It is. Uh Samsonov had an 896. Oof. And both of them, I think, had negative goal saved above expected. I'll check on Vanacek for that if he had a league average save percentage. I know for a fact that Samsonov's goal saved above expected was like negative 13. Yeah. I mean, it's like we said before, the three straight playoff series losses for the Capitals, like the passion hasn't been there. The drive hasn't been there since they won. Like oh, they got over okay. the hump. Um, Vanacek's goal said above expected was negative 2.85. Yeah. So he was below average, but not by much. Well, see, interesting because his goal said above average was 0.15. So yeah, but that's not based on shot location. Average, right. Very slightly above average, below expectations though. And Samsonov was just bad outright. Yeah. All right. So we so agree. the chance of the Panthers getting goalied hard enough to lose the series are really slim. You know what? Actually, let's let's have a little bit of fun. Rapid fire. Uh, we haven't talked about doing this yet, but let's uh, let's do every other series in the East rapid fire with what we think is going to happen and why. And if we feel inspired to do it, we'll do it with the West, too. So let's go right to the Atlantic other series. Tampa versus Toronto. Your thoughts, Tampa. I, I, I just it's so hard to bet against Tampa. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not going to Toronto's history lately has not been particularly good in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Eventually that has to change. I just don't think it's going to happen against Tampa. Yeah. I, I'm dying on the anti Tampa Hill. Maybe I'm wrong. Like I'm not putting it, you know, totally out of possibility, but I I've just been underwhelmed with what their healthy lineup has done this year. And last year, like you could argue that they had a better season without Kucherov. So I like, I like Toronto to finally, wrap it up and uh, get out of the first round. I think that them being the underdogs after last year being such prohibitive favorites and like kind of falling under the weight of pressure, them being underdogs this year, I think is going to serve Toronto. Hmm. I also just like thinking about it in the way we were also just talking about the Panthers series, which team is more likely to goalie the other team to a series win? Because guess what? It's, it's Vasilevsky. Tampa. It's Tampa. But I, I like Eventually, like Vasilevsky's games played, are they're, it's going to catch up to him. Yeah. Eventually. <laughs> I mean, people around the league have been saying, Tampa looks tired. We'll see how true that is. Yeah. Bruins tired at the end of last season, too. And then what happened? Bru- Bruins and uh, Hurricanes. That's a tough one for me. It really um, is, isn't it? I have... So, I'm terrified 
of that Bruins top six, mm-hmm. specifically top four forwards. <laughs> I'm not as scared of like Craig Smith and Jake DeBrusque, but like Bergeron, Marchand, Hall, and Pasta, those four can steal you a series very easily. Mm-hmm. Like th- that is some of the best, like those, I mean, it's it's called the perfection line for a reason, Marchand, yep. Bergeron, and Pasta. Granted, they've kind of broken that up a little bit to spread out their talent. DeBrusque has been playing with the top line uh, and Pasta down on line two. But Carolina is just like season in, season out for the last three or four years. Such a strong possession team. They, they as a team, won the Jennings Trophy this year. Fewest goals allowed. That This is a very tough series for me. Mm-hmm. My head says Boston. My heart says Carolina. Mm-hmm. I just think Boston has the defense. Like Swayman's been playing well enough recently that I think like come playoff time, he can elevate his game. He's going to have the energy. The goaltending situation in Carolina is a big question mark, not because of the quality of the players, but because of the injuries. Like I think if Frederick Anderson's in there, you're not necessarily going to be nervous the way you would with, I can't remember, Kachikov. Is that the guy's name? Yeah. Looks to be the game one starter. Uh, I'm going to say Bruins in six. You know, wouldn't necessarily be shocked with the Hurricanes pulling it out, hence it going to six or seven. Six because that's their final home game. Like if they had home ice, I'd probably say them in seven, but Bruins in six. Yeah, I just, I, I just, I'm just not sure that Carolina really has the superstar talent to overcome Boston. You want to put a game number on it? Not really. Uh-huh. <laughs> Boston. Because it's, mean, it's so random. That it's, like, it's totally arbitrary, but it's fun. I, I do, I feel like Boston is going to win. I, I just, I don't think Carolina has the power to overcome that top line. Mm-hmm. And then and finally. Then also Hall and Post and like, yeah, whatever. The, yeah, those yeah. top four forwards. And I mean, McAvoy Greslick has also been an incredible pairing this year. Yep. Yep. And them so I, moving down Pasternak has helped them turn that top three into a top six final. Right. And it's, right. it's damn scary. And I, I just don't think the, that Carolina can overcome that. Rangers, especially with with without a real starting goalie, like no, we're gonna have to figure out about that situation. Anyway, uh, Rangers and Pittsburgh, <sighs> also a really tough one to call for entirely different reasons. The Rangers' playoff hopes will live and die with Igor Shesterkin. The moment he cools off, that team is done mm-hmm. outright. Like there's nothing, there's nothing about it. Uh, but then Pittsburgh is in a weird situation because do you trust? Casey DeSmith to win you around. You know, I just think that the Rangers, once they added the guys they did at the trade deadline, have finally turned themselves into a decent possession team. And once you take into account that advantage and goal, I would personally be very surprised if the Penguins won this series. There are situations, real, like real in-game NHL situations, in with the rain in which the Rangers are playing Artemi Panarin and Dryden Hunt together. Yeah. It's very strange. Is it happening I so much recently, though? With that's the, not a setup to make a deep run if your superstar goalie has an average series. Are, are they, like, putting Vetrano in that hunt spot now instead? Because I feel like you you do a little bit better. We saw the Panthers do a little bit better with Vetrano in the spots that Hunt had been in. <laughs> that's true. But, no, like, I think it was recent that Hunt and Panarin were like on a power play unit together or something. It's definitely not the parts. I like New York and I I think I like New York in the series because I I don't think that Shesterkin is going to cool off just yet. He did start cooling off in the tail end of the regular season, uh, but a few days off, a few games off might help him out with that a little bit. Yeah, the Rangers playoff hopes live and die with their goalie. Yeah, I think that the Rangers will win this in five games, maybe six if there's like a bad bounce. I see them like winning two or three games in overtime yeah. like i see them going two or two and oh or three and oh in overtime because they're gonna like lock in and say to themselves we've got igor in net so in this overtime period where if we give up a goal we lose immediately all we have to do is make sure that we don't give away any grade a plus chances and the e-roll will probably stop all of the chances below that grade and right. they're probably right So I I like, I like the Rangers in this series. I just, I don't feel like New York can really make a deep run because Igor, Igor's going to cool off. He's, he's, I don't think he can go the full postseason. Let's uh, let's just do it this way instead. Like what is most interesting to you about the Western conference? Do you have a like hot take? 
on the Western Conference playoff situation. I don't even know how hot of a take this is, but I really like Minnesota. Not necessarily to come all the way out of uh, to come all the way out of the West, but for a team that's struggled to have significant playoff success uh, lately, uh, I think this is a year where they're going to be able to make some noise. Yeah, I recently saw that Zuccarello was banged up coming into the playoffs, which does kind of change my thinking about them. But if he comes back healthy, like. You know, I, I don't want to cloud this in too much uncertain rhetoric, but like, you know, I, that's a team I feel like can go punch for punch with with Colorado. Yeah. Where like the, the analytics have loved Colorado for a minute, but like if you if you look at some of the other things with them, like they're not built like a lot of Stanley Cup champions are. Their possession metrics are surprisingly mediocre. I feel like they've leaned on Darcy Kemper a lot this year, and people haven't really caught up to that. Yeah, And Darcy Kemper has been awesome. So if he continues to be awesome, which you can say about any team, basically, if your goalie's awesome and you're not like a terrible possession team, you're probably going to do quite well in the playoffs. Uh, here's actually, here's my hot take for, for round one in the Western Conference. I think there's a chance that Nashville could actually beat Colorado in a seven-game series. Even without UC Soros? Mm-hmm. I, I would be fascinated if they, like, let's say they win game one. And then you got doubt creeping into the minds of the avalanche. Are we going to choke again? That's I can see be, it. That's going to be, you know. I don't think it's like tremendously likely, but I would not be surprised if it happened. I think that's, I think that's the only upset that I could really see. I don't see St. Louis over Minnesota. Uh, I don't think I see LA over Edmonton. I don't either. Uh, I definitely don't see Dallas over Calgary. No. Calgary, I think, is my favorite Western yeah, me too. Like, Calgary is who I've really got coming out of the West. I think they're coming out. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And just it, to say real it's quick, be Calgary versus either Colorado or Minnesota. Just to say that real quick, like uh, people will say, well, how come you don't think Washington could beat Florida if you think that Nashville could potentially beat Colorado? Well, first of all, we both said that we think that <laughs> I'm Washington not an avalanche could. fan. That's how. <laughs> we, we, first of all, we, we both said like it's totally possible that the Caps win in seven just because, you know, that that happens to great teams. They get goalied. The Florida Panthers, you know, organizational voodoo and all that. But at the same time, like they're not coming into the playoffs thinking like we choked last year, you know, the way that the Leafs are, the way that the Avalanche are. They're coming in thinking, you know, we proved ourselves a little bit last year. Now it's time to avenge that, you know, defeat that was at the hands of the Lightning. They're going to be get upset in the postseason last year, uh, but but not by the sports books, though. Not by the, but the books had by seeding they did. <laughs> they, by, yeah, but it's by seeding. Come on, that that's not everything. I mean, they they right. were not expected to win that series. You know, they were playing against a hundred ten million dollar team. Don't need to go into that any more than I already just did. Especially considering that the Panthers just reactivated Aaron Ekblad. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, let's get into that. So not that uh, that makes the Panthers a hundred and ten million dollar cap hit, but. I mean, all they did by reserving Ekblad's cap hit was take on some of Max Domi's salary and get a sixth-round pick. Yeah. You know, Not get Coleman and Goudreau. The the cornerstone uh, example of cap circumvention, you know, and, and getting a direct advantage. Which, what again, shame. can't stress enough. Any GM smart enough to take advantage of that rule, good on them. The rule yeah, is I, stupid, I, but I, I actually do any agree GM that you. takes advantage of it. If you aren't cheating, you aren't trying. Flat right. out. Well, anyway. <laughs> It's so not just, cheating, though. They didn't do anything against the rules. It's right. a dumb rule that should be fixed. But for the time being, any GM that can weaponize cap space like that is doing their job right. Don't hate the player, hate the game. Precisely. Bingo. Anyway, uh, let's get into, because you kind of hinted at stuff I want to talk about. Let's rewind a little bit to Thursday night where the Panthers beat the Senators 4 nothing, And uh, then we stayed up to watch the Predators beat the Avalanche, as we were kind of talking about. In a shootout. And maybe the recency bias is why I think Nashville <laughs> could upset Colorado. And that clinched the first ever President's Trophy in the history of the Florida Panthers. Jake, I'll just sit back because me and Alex already talked about what it means. What does winning the President's Trophy mean? Very little. To the team, well, to, to like the players, probably very little. To the organization and the fans, I actually think it's incredibly important. We know that the players want the Stanley Cup. Like, sure, we got that that Instagram post uh, from Jonathan Huberto the other day. Uh, I think it might have been yesterday where he mentioned that they won the President's Trophy and that it was cool. But the players want their names on the Stanley Cup. The regular season is not as important if you're not record chasing. And the Panthers got every record they needed to this season. Uh, I am extremely excited that the Panthers won the President's Trophy personally. I think it's a really cool achievement. Uh, regular season champions is nothing to scoff at. 
82 game marathon is, is a, it's a really tough thing to do. Unfortunately, that's not what people care about at the end of the day. Yeah. It means a lot to the fans and the organization, I think, but come Tuesday, game one, we're going to forget about the president's trophy because that's no longer the goal. I think that's all fair. I'm not going to, you know, rebut you or uh, add on to any of your points because I think they speak for themselves. Let's talk about the the two games. The most interesting thing to me, you know, 4 nothing win against the Senators, 10-2 loss against the Canadians. I think that we can just kind of write off the second result as, uh, oh my, Jonas Johansson, not very good. Well, uh, look, the Panthers dressed 18 skaters, only played 16 of them. And like 12 of them were actual NHL players. Right. Did not play a full NHL roster. Didn't even play their full lineup. Second night of a back-to-back, Habs arrested and have something to prove, even though they had already clinched 32nd place. And Jonas Johan, like everything, I am not surprised by that result in the slightest. The only unfortunate outcome of that result was uh, that it kept the Panthers below a plus 100 goal differential uh, and kept the Habs above a minus 100 goal differential. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, so legitimately in both cases. Uh, Cole Schwint played two games. I thought he looked pretty good. (laughs) He had some pretty decent games in there, which is nice because his debut uh, against the against the Kings was not the best. Mm -hmm. But I don't think that was a particularly strong game for the team as a whole. Yeah, just a a tough situation. Cole Cole could have scored his first NHL goal a couple of times over in those last two games. There were some really nice chances for him and not obviously I'm not going to blame him for not, not scoring, scoring those goals. Yeah. He was playing against NHL goalies. Yeah. It was Forsberg and then Carey fucking price. Right. So like, and he, he had a very good AHL year. He's now back in Charlotte along with Eponyemi and Kierstead as they gear up for their playoff run. Yep. Hopefully it is also a long run. If it isn't, I would expect those guys and probably a couple of others to be on the Panthers playoff roster. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I Cole, Cole had, a, had a couple of really nice games in there. Mm-hmm. Kirsten and Hepaniemi also came up, but I mean, we've seen them a decent amount with the big squad. And of course, yeah. Cole is a friend of the show. So we'll give him his props. Kirsten, also a friend of the show. Nice to see him out there. Don't think he hey, Hepaniemi was a, was a dev camp guest. That's right. That's right. All three friends of the show. So <laughs> great, great. Good to see all of them. Best of luck in Charlotte. I'll talk about that really quickly. Uh, they won the Atlantic division. I already talked about that. Maybe it's the metropolitan division. I can't remember. They won no, the division. The it's the Atlantic. Nice. So uh, here's the situation in terms of their pl- upcoming playoff matchup. They actually have a buy. And I believe this is the first year that the AHL is doing this. They have uh, six teams from the Atlantic division make the playoffs. So coming up on Monday is game one of the play-in series or the, you know, the first round series, however you want to define it between Bridgeport, New York's affiliate, and Providence, Boston's affiliate. And if Bridgeport wins that series, as the highest seed in the division, Charlotte will get to face them because Bridgeport is the lowest seed. But if Providence takes care of business, then it's going to be the winner of the series between Hershey, the affiliate of the Capitals, and Wilkes-Barre-Scranton, the affiliate of the Penguins. So, <laughs> Man, even the AHL, those two teams just... Yeah, like collision other. course, man. So uh, we could feasibly see the Panthers play the Capitals and the Bears play the Checkers. Though, if I'm not mistaken, go Hershey uh, in that series for my Michael favorite, Scarbosa? Michael Scarbosa. Yeah, we support you, Michael Scarbosa. And uh, if you have to come across the uh, Checkers, unfortunately, we will have to cheer for your demise. But not as an individual, just your team. Uh, the- <laughs> Thank you for the clarification. Game three, uh, which will be the first Charlotte home game of the first round series, a best of five, actually, will be on May 14th, Saturday, May 14th. So by that time, the Panthers series will either be over or, or they'll be prepping for game seven the next day, I believe. So games one and two will be on the road. Panthers most likely, over. yeah, most likely it's going to be uh, May 9th, 10th or 11th and then May 12th or 11th, you know, one of those, but yeah. So basically the checkers playoff run probably start in about a week, a little bit more than a week. So uh, good luck to them. I don't really have any thoughts on any potential matchups. Like I can't really tell you too much about those other AHL teams, but uh, I'll be keeping my eye on our guys. Hopefully they'll get a playoff run of their own to prepare them for next season's playoff run. 
if they uh, are going to get called into the action, maybe Cole Schwint will get to play some playoff games next year with the Panthers. I I would be surprised if Cole Schwint did not make the NHL squad next season. And we can do more of a summer episode about that. But like, given the talent that the Panthers are going to have to lose after the season, I would expect Cole Schwint to line up in the NHL next season. Crossing my fingers for him. Think about it. Marchman's gone. Achari's gone. Jumbo's gone. Giroux is probably gone. If luck has it, Hornquist is probably gone. Yeah, nothing We're against Hornquist, just the contract. Someone. Yeah. And Cole Schwint is probably one of the first in line to do that with the season, with the AHL campaign that he just had. And the fact that he's clearly reasonably high up the, the list for call-ups. Mm-hmm. He's a guy that I see as a middle six NHLer. He's been really prolific, even strength offensively this year and been one of the team's most trusted penalty killers. So that's what you like to see in a middle six center. So we are crossing our fingers that uh, his development goes well, you know, don't want to overhype our guys too much because, you know, everybody's an NHLer apparently if you listen to something. Don't tell me how much to hype up Cole Schwinn. No, no, Cole Schwinn. I mean, he's, I think he might be the (laughs) top guy on the checkers and even strength points and he doesn't even play on the first line most of the time. So there you go. Uh, so that'll do it for this episode of Panther Paris. It's playoff time, so make sure to refresh your feed every day because you never know when we're going to have a new episode out with a guest or recapping a game. <laughs> Definitely <laughs> Not the best marketing strategy. They should know when we have new content. <laughs> well, I mean, if you could check our feed also, if you if you want to see when you <laughs> will know. We'll, we'll definitely have something out the day after every game. Yeah. You know, it might it might be something longer. It might be something shorter, but there will definitely be something. And we're going to follow this whole thing with everybody. So looking forward to enjoying the ride, however bumpy it may be. And uh, where are they going to rate us five stars? We got to think of someplace. Oh, shit. Uh, um, rate us five stars on. Did we do wiki feet already? I think we did. Damn it. Uh, uh, let's see. Rate us five stars on deadbathandbeyond.com. <laughs> sure. Fuck it. <laughs> Full send. See you next time.